Your map to the condom aisle. Anonymous asks, my boyfriend and I have sex often. When we do, we use a condom as often as possible. But when we go to get condoms, there are so many to choose from. There are ribbed ones, spermicidal ones that are specified for her pleasure and vice versa, ultra thin and more. What is the difference in all of these? Do any of them really give more pleasure or feel any better than a plain lubricated condom? Heather Corinna replies that there sure are a lot of choices in condom styles now, so it's understandable that the array can leave folks mighty confused. Here are some of the most common styles of condoms out and about these days and what the what is with each of them. Thinner condoms. Really, most condoms these days are far thinner than they used to be. So if your parents ever have said that condoms suck, it's likely because they haven't used the newer kinds to know that condoms have changed a lot lately. But you'll see condoms that are listed as being thinner than others. The thinner the condom, the more likely the wearer and his partner both are to feel more body heat, more of the texture of the other person's genitals, and the greater sensation will often be. Since thinner condoms produce less friction, they're no less effective than the thicker ones and may even be more effective. But some partners want more friction, so those partners may prefer condoms which aren't so thin. If you and Slash or your partner feeling like you're not feeling anything with condoms on, your best bet is to first make sure you're using one of the thinner brands. If you and Slash or your partners feeling like more friction is better than the thinner condoms may not be the best choice. Some brands of thinner condoms are Kim Minow brand condoms, Durex Ultimate Feeling, Love for Extra Sensitive, Trojan Ultra Thin, Lifestyle Sheer Pleasure, Crown and Beyond 7. Textured condoms, ribbed, dotted, studded, pouched, contoured, etc. These are condoms with some sort of texture, like ribs or dots or studs or sometimes with specifically designed pouches or shapes with the aim of creating greater sensation. Plenty of people do enjoy these condoms and do find it increases some aspects of sensation for them. But it should be noted that for people with vaginas, since most of our sensory nerve endings are just in the first inch or two of our vaginas, and the most sensitive part of our vulva is our internal and external clitoris, not our vaginas at all. If you don't feel any difference yourself, it's likely because most of the condom is inside a place on your body where you just don't feel specific sensations. So most often than not, it's the wearers who will feel more difference with these condoms. Overall, if you're not feeling as much sensation with intercourse as you liked, it's not about the condom, but about you and yours needing to add other sexual activities to the intercourse so that your most sensitive bits are really getting airtime. Something vaginal intercourse all by itself more often than not does not provide. Textured condoms are a good pick too. If more friction is desired rather than less, if you like extra sensation around your G-spot, a textured condom may provide a bit more of that. If your partner or you, if you're the wearer, like likes more sensation around the head of the penis, one of the contoured or pouch condoms may be good for you. Some brands of textured condoms are the Inspiral, Pleasure Plus, Trojan Intense Ribbed, Her Pleasure, Twisted Pleasure, Lifestyles Dual Pleasure, Camino Max or Type E Directs, Pleasure Max or, or High Sensation, Crown Studded, Birds and Bees Profile or Studded One. Smaller 
or larger condoms. Condoms listed as smaller, which to cater to delicate sensibilities, they are more often called something like snugger or larger, which to cater to a prevalent male desire to think of the penis in Godzilla-like proportions are often called things like XXL, Maximus, Super, Mr. Uber, Ginormous, okay, so I made the last one up, <laughs> are, basically, are basically what they sound like. For most though, it's only the base of the condom, that bottom ring, which is smaller or larger. Sizing in this way isn't about length. The latex, even on a standard condom, will generally cover your average forearm, let alone any penis, but about width. W-I-D-T-H. For people with less wide penises, standard condoms may slip off. So they need a smaller ring. For people with wider penises, the ring of a standard condom may pinch painfully, so they need a larger ring. So if you ever have a partner with whom condoms either slip off or slide up a lot, or one who just looks like they're in agony when they have a when they have got a condom on, having condoms of varying sizes can be helpful. But for the most part, most standard condoms really will fit most people. Some brands of smaller ring condoms are Beyond Seven, Lifestyle Snugger, Mamba, and Crown. Examples of some larger ringed condoms are Trojan Magnum, Durex XXL, or Avanti. Lifestyles King Size XL, Camino Micro Thin Large, and Vivid Large. Non-latex condoms. Some people are allergic or sensitive to latex and others just prefer not to use latex. For those, there are options. One kind of non-latex condom is made from animal product membranes, namely lamb intestine. And those aren't advised, not just because of the yuck factor, but because they do not prevent the transmission of disease and infection. Polyurethane condoms are a non-latex option, which do also prevent the spread of disease. There's also a new material for non-latex condoms called polyisoprene, which like polyurethane helps prevent pregnancy as well as STIs. To some people prefer non-latex condoms because they tend to conduct heat better than latex does. If you and slash or your partner are latex sensitive or allergic, you'll want to use non-latex condoms. You or they may also prefer them if you like the condom to move around a bit more on the shaft of the penis and slash er, you want to feel more body heat. Some brands of non-latex polyurethane condoms are Durex Avanti and Trojan Supra and the new Polyesoprene Lifestyles SKYN condoms, which are about half the cost of other non-latex condoms. So a big yay on that. The female slash internal condom. The internal condom, once called the reality condom and now called the FC2, is also made from polyurethane. They've had a recent redesign and the new material they're made from is really nice. Internal condoms are worn by people with vaginas and have a ring at each end, so they look different than external condoms. They're held in place by one ring that sits in the back of the vagina and the other partner inserts their penis. It will usually need to be guided in carefully, not haphazardly, in the other ring during use. To remove the FCT condom after use, you twist that outer ring first, then gently pull the condom out of the vagina. Besides allowing people who can become pregnant to be in charge of condom use, one other benefit of the FC2 condom is that it can be inserted as long as eight hours before intercourse, so some couples like the extra spontaneity these can provide. For partners with penises who have any issues with the ring sizes of outside male condoms or feel outside condoms feel too tight, the FC2 can also be a good choice since it sits more closely on the penis. They're more expensive than outside condoms and do have a slightly higher failure rate than outside condoms do. Currently, if you live in the U.S., you need a prescription to purchase the FC2. 
rather than being able to grab it off a shelf the way you can an outside condom. If you prefer non-latex condoms, the FC2 may be a good choice for you. Same goes if you want to be able to put the condom in well before intercourse. If the partner with a penis wants a looser feel with a condom, or if the person with a vagina wearer wants to be more in charge with condoms. Vegan condoms. Most condoms contain a milk ingredient, casein, believe it or not, so strict vegan, so, or just folks who prefer not to use animal products. What condoms without the ingredient, will, want condoms without the ingredient, and will also often also want a condom that was not anyway tested on animals. Some brands of vegan cruelty-free condoms are sustaining glide condoms, warning or numbing condoms, warning or numbing condoms. These are condoms with an agent added to produce a feeling either of warmth or which aim to try and extend directions. With the numbing slash desensitizing types, while they do extend erection for some people, they also do result in both the penis and the vagina feeling numbed, which is a pretty silly thing to do during an activity when you want to feel more, not less. That aside, the only thing to look out for with these is if you find either of these types of, addit- of additives incline you towards infection or just don't feel very good. Some brands of warming condoms are Direct's Pleasure Max Warming, Lifestyle's Warming Pleasure, Trojan Warm Sensations, or Rough Rider Warming Pleasure. Some common numbing condoms are Direct's Performax or Trojan Extended Pleasure. You'll know if a condom is lubed or unlubed because it will say so on the package. Also, do the spermicidal condoms have a greater risk of giving the woman a UTI? I've heard that before. And I would like to know if it is true because I've gotten a UTI before after using a condom that has spermicide. You'll know when a condom is spermicidically lub- lubricated because it will say so on the box. If you do not find spermicides to be irritating you and, you, and if you have just no way to get emergency contraception and pregnancy prevention is key, then that even that little extra help spermicidal lube provides may be of use to you. Okay. Uh, if you're interested... Consumer Report 2009 lists the results of their tests and reveals seven perfect condoms they found. If you're interested in condoms that have been my personal favorites or those of my partners, all the Camino Styles, Durex Lex, and the Advantes, Beyond 7, and Glide Vegan condoms have tended to be the choices, have tended to be the choice picks in my bedroom. As I mentioned here, condoms are really only half of the story. You also want to have a good latex safe lube to use, a dropper to inside the condom for your partner before he puts it on. Plenty on the outside to make things feel good for you and to keep condoms from breaking and the more whenever you need it. My personal favorite lubricants these days are Liquid Silk, Pink, and Astro Glide, but other reputable lubes out and about are Sliquid, the KY Liquids, Wet, Eurus, Eros, Body Glide, Emerita, and Uber Lube. Remember that when you buy con remember that where you buy condoms does matter. Getting them from gas stations or vending machines is often a bad idea because condoms in those places both tend to hang around. They're a long time and often in conditions they're kept in can degrade them. Better places to get condoms are through pharmacies or drugstores, large chain stores, sex supply stores, online vendors of condoms with safer sex supplies, or through your local sexual health clinic. Just always be sure and check the expiration date on your box or singles where you get them. You only want to use condoms to be safe that are at least six months away from expiring. Just one thing that caught my eye on your question. You said you use condoms as often as possible. Does that mean every time? Because every time is when it is possible. If condoms are your only birth control method and slash or if you both have been monogamous and practicing safer sex, including testing for at least six months, then every time is when you need to be using those condoms, okay? 
So it's a fine idea to get a decent array of condoms to try when you're first starting to use them. So when you stock up that first time, keep extra condoms around thereafter so that there really won't ever be a time when a condom is not there for your, for your use. And trying a few different kinds, most will be workable. Even if you or yours wind up strongly preferring one kind, but those second choice extras are great to keep handy. And if and when those times do still happen, those are the times to just do another sexual activity like manual sex or mutual masturbation, where a condom really isn't required for either pregnancy prevention or STI transmission. And just in case, colored condoms. This is just what it sounds like, condoms and colors. They don't change how anything feels or cause any change in effectiveness. But if you and a partner appreciate a bright green, blue, or red penis, maybe you're just feeling festive, then these are for you. For those who really want a laugh during condom use or are concerned to lose a penis in the dark, there are even glow-in-the-dark condoms. Flavored condoms. Condoms marked as flavored have a coating to make them taste like something. These should only be used, however, for protection during oral sex on the penis, also known as blowjobs. As the, as the sugars in those flavors can incline vaginas or anuses towards yeast infections. Lubricated or unlubricated condoms. Some condoms will be marked as lubed and others are unlubed. Really though, it makes no difference since to use a condom properly, you always want to be using extra lube from a bottle. Not only is using extra lube important to keep condoms from breaking, the amount of lube on a lubricated condom often isn't enough to keep condoms feeling comfortable for both partners. Adding more lube to an already lubricated condom is fine, but if you have a strong preference for only the lube you use from a bottle, then you might prefer an unlubricated condom. Lastly, spermicidally lubricated condoms. These are condoms which have a small application of spermicidal lubricant on the condom. Really, even if these condoms did break, we'd still advise emergency contraception for someone who did not want to become pregnant. There just really isn't enough spermicide on them to make a huge difference. But too, if you're using condoms currently, they're very unlikely to break, and unless they break, that spermicide is useless. Spermicides have been shown to increase the risk of some sexually transmitted infections because they irritate the genitals, making them more susceptible to infection. So usually we'll advise people to ditch these and just use condoms without spermicide correctly, including the use of extra lubricant. That may also include infections like UTIs, which aren't technically sexually transmitted, but which are often due to sex, even without any extra STI risk. We never want to add agents which might make our genitals feel raw or irritated when we don't have to. If you ever have a condom break on you, you can get and use emergency contraception, which is more effective in preventing pregnancy than a drop or two of spermicide. Okay. Um, I'm a fan of colored condoms. Um, I'm a fan of flavored condoms. I'm a fan of lubricated condoms. I am a fan of spermicidally lubricated condoms, too. Those are my type of condoms to use. Um, let me see here. Hmm. My women partners, I'm open to them with the female slash internal condoms. They're okay with that. Um, let's see. If I were... I mean, let me 
I'm trying to get my thoughts together. If any of my women partners were dick were um allergic to uh, latex, then I would use non-latex condoms for them, right? But if they're not allergic to um, latex condoms, then I would wear average to larger uh, condoms, Um that's where I would fit average to larger condoms, personally me. Um, I am a fan of textured condoms. That would be me. Let's see. Now, some of my partners were like, hey, I have more pleasure when you use thinner condoms and I'll use that. I don't really have um, a favorite, really. Whatever works for me, my partners, because all my partners are different. All sex partners are different. Some condoms give more pleasure for some and some don't give as much pleasure to others. It depends. Now, I've had some partners who were like... um, like to wear V if they, if they were like um, into animal rights right and they're like hey let's wear vegan condoms okay I don't really have preference I just want to wear what is best for me and my partners I'm not one of those I gotta wear this I'm like no I'm more of what will give you the most pleasure these type of condoms okay let's do that that's how I feel. I've never been a fan of it has to be this or that. Warming or numbing condoms. I'm kind of struggling with that one. Feeling numb. I don't want that. At the same time, I would, if some of my... I mean, I'm kind of iffy on the warming or numbing condoms. That's the only one I'm like, eh. But... I would probably lean no to warming and numbing condoms, but if if my erection is extended much more than a numbing feeling, I guess I'll do it, but I'm leaning towards no. And I haven't been in a situation I had to wear warm and numbing condoms, thankfully, but as I keep living, you know, Life has its ways of bringing certain things to our attention. So I'll just leave it at that. So pretty much the condoms that I've told you about my favorite, I wear them. Now you're probably like, but you didn't say your size, average to larger. Um, I'm not smaller. I'm not shaming anybody's penis here. I'm just saying average to larger up there. I haven't truly been able to measure myself, but I've looked at myself in the shower many times. I'm like, I would be average to larger. And I've worn both, I think. I'm trying to remember. I've had a lot of experience. Not to toot my horn. 
I've got some one more. I just, they just gave me condoms. And I'm trying to remember the brand. I can't think of the brand right now because they just handed to me and um, they just fit me. I know it sounds crazy, but I just remember it being inserted on me. They helped me out with it. And they bought whatever they could afford. You know what I mean? And I just remember, I guess it was, I think, yeah, it was Trojan. It's definitely Trojan. Trojan was our thing. Now, okay, now I got my memory back. It was always Trojan. Definitely Trojan. Yeah. Trojan more than anything else. It's definitely Trojan. And it just fit me. It looked like a larger condom. It looked like that, you know, and my um, women partners always amazed at my size. And again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn about my size. I'm just remembering instances in my life where I, they were always amazed at my size. I'll just leave it at that. So I guess, I guess larger, you know, not trying to compare myself to other guys. I was just being honest. You know, since we're having a authentic conversation, I'm just being real. So, yeah, it's always Trojan. I'd say larger. I'm just guessing larger because part, one of my partners with was just her, their mouths were dra- dropping open. So their faces explain it all. So I'm going to stick with larger. I just stick with that because I've had, it, you know, I'm trying to. Remember everything? I did, I did. I'm stopping hard on myself. So let me move forward. Okay. Condom Basics, a user's manual by Heather Corinna. Using a condom is easier than it looks, but the first few times it can be tricky, especially if you're nervous about knowing how to use one or have never even opened one before. It's important to know how to use condoms like a pro to ensure that they work to help prevent unwanted pregnancy, sexually transmitted infections, or both because you want them to feel as good as possible for both partners. No matter what your gender is or what your partner's gender is, if any of you has a penis or you both use a toy, knowing how to use a condom properly can make you safer and can make a big difference in your relationship. Do yourself a favor. If you're the person whose body part or toy economy is going on, try at home by yourself first without the pressure of being watched, without worrying about losing an erection or without the uncomfortable feeling that you're being graded on your condom skills. You or a partner can also practice on a banana. Silly, we know, but hey, it works. With the same condom until you get it right. Either or both of you can put the condom on when the time is right so it's good for everyone to know how. Condom use is just like tying your shoes. Tying them all the time may be a bother sometimes, but if you don't do it, you'll trip and fall on your face. The consequences here can be far worse. A few STIs are incurable, and once you have them can create some health issues you may need to deal with for your whole life. A couple of them can shorten that life, and all this also goes for your partners and their partners and their partners. All of them can impact your health and the public health and cost you time, energy, and money to deal with. If you're in a relationship... Uh, with the I'm sex partner, remember gender and sexual diversity are included in everything I say. And condoms are your only method of reliable birth control. I don't need to tell you why they're important, even when you're not the one who can wind up pregnant. One fantastic thing about condoms is that they are one of the only methods when where both partners can share responsibility when it comes to birth control. They also make an excellent backup when using other methods. So here's how to do it right. 
the basics. One, check to see you're unrolling the right way first and add a couple drops of lube to the inside so it feels best. Two, leave a bit of space at the tip and pinch it while you unroll the condom to the base of the penis. Slide down, slide your fingers down one more time to ditch air bubbles. Add lube on the outside for a partner. Three, when done, be sure to hold the base when you withdraw, then toss it if having sex again. Use a new condom, never use condoms twice. One, use a good quality condom that is new and well before the expiry date. Every condom has an expiration date on the package, so just take a look at it before you open one. Be sure you're also using a condom that hasn't been kept anywhere where it can get worn or too warm or cold. It isn't a good idea to keep them in your car, wallet, or pocket for that reason. When you first buy condoms, see if you can get a few different brands and styles for yourself. It could take some trial and error to find the kind that best fit you and feel best, so getting assortment packs or a few small boxes of a couple different kinds is a good idea. Two, open the condom wrapper carefully with your fingers and roll it out a little so that the edge is rolled on the outside of the condom. That rolled up edge needs to be on the outside facing up or the condom won't roll down right. Put a few drops of water-based loops such as Astroglide, KY Liquid, or Liquid Silk inside the tip of the condom. That not only helps with getting it on, it makes condoms feel a lot better during use. Only put a condom on after there's a partial or full erection after the penis has gotten hard. Three, squeeze the tip of the condom with your fingertips to leave some extra space in the tip and roll the rest down the length of the penis while still pinching the top. The, rip, the rim of the condom should be as close to the base of the penis as possible. When you're, when you're down to the base, run your fingers from the tip all the way down to press out any air bubbles. This helps keep condoms from breaking. Four, put some more latex safe lube, lube that doesn't contain any kind of oil on the outside of the condom and you're good to go. While you're using the condom, neither you nor your partner need to hold on to its base. Condoms are designed for hands-free use. Five, after ejaculation or not, but you're finished having genital sex before you withdraw, hold the base of the condom and rolled up part with your hand. If you withdraw without holding the base, the condom could slip off. Keep your hand there while you withdraw and until the penis is all the way out of the vagina and its mouth. Pull it off with that same hand on the rim of the condom and your other hand by the tip. Pulling it off by the tip alone not only makes a big mess, you could trip all over yourself while you just work so hard to keep out. Tie a knot near the base of the condom. Six, throw the condom away in the rubbish bin. Never reuse condoms. And please don't just toss them outside a car in a park. Not only is that just plain gross and uncouth, it's unhealthy for the rest of us. Plus, that also means that now and then, as happened to me when I used to teach kindergarten, some poor teacher winds up with some little kid finding one, waving all over everyone and everything, and then said teacher having to quickly come up with a very good story about what exactly the slobbery balloon is, knowing her wee ones have just been exposed to God knows what. Never put two condoms on at once to try to be extra safe. Both of them will most likely break due to extra friction. It just doesn't work or feel very nice for the wearer. One condom is probably as safe as it gets. Isn't that, if that isn't safe enough for you, don't have sex yet when, where you need one, stick to outer course. Or if it's about birth control worries, back up condoms with a second method. Um... Some extra tips. You are a partner being allergic or sensitive to latex does not mean you can't use condoms. It just means you need to use condoms made out of another material. The female condom is non-latex and there are a couple of brands of male condoms like Avanti or SKYN, which are also not made out of latex, but which provide just as much protection for you and yours. Lambskin condoms, while non-latex, don't provide protection against STI, so those aren't the best choice. 
If you are uncircumcised, gently push your foreskin back onto a point where it's comfortable while you're putting the condom on. When the condom is unrolled about one-three the way down the shaft, with one hand pull the foreskin together, put the unrolled part of the condom upward while with the other hand unroll the condom to the base of the penis. That way the condom will allow the foreskin to move as it should. Sounds a lot harder than it actually is. Just practice a few times first and you'll get the hang of it. Lubrication is really important. Let me say it again. Lubrication is really important. Condoms have a high rate of success, but that rate drops when they aren't used properly. One of the easiest ways to break a condom is by letting it get dried out. Buy some lubricant when you buy condoms. Not only will it help them work better, well-lubricated sex is generally more enjoyable sex for both you and your partner. Even a person who has a vulva is plenty wet on their own. Our own lubrication doesn't tend to work as well or last as long with condoms as the stuff made for condom use does. Even when a condom is already lubricated, it's a pretty stingy amount of lube. Do not use butter, oil, body lotion, Vaseline, or any lubricant other lubricants intended for use with condoms. If you could buy it in a store aisle where food is displayed, it isn't the right kind of lube. Condoms don't have to condoms don't have to be a pain. Don't try and rationalize your way out of using one or put up with a partner who does. You'll both need to get used to using them for a good part of your life, and even if one partner lets you get away with it, you can be sure another one won't. Bad attitudes about condoms also tend to form a self-fulfilling prophecy, making them seem like more of a drag than they are. Condoms keep both you and your partner safe. They're one of the least intrusive kinds of birth control there is for people of all genders when it comes to sexual side effects. And when you don't have to worry about getting diseases or getting pregnant, sex is a lot more fun. Being a partner who steps up to the plate and just puts on a condom without a partner having to beg, cajole, nag, or argue also shows a level of maturity and care most folks are looking for in someone they sleep with. Fuck, make love, have sex. Once you get used to using condoms, it's a total no-brainer. When you're using good condoms properly, they really don't make a huge difference with sensation. You should also wear a condom during oral sex just as much as during vaginal or anal sex, especially with new partners. Most STIs are transmitted through bodily fluids and mucous membranes, both of which exist in and on your genitals and your mouth. While there are more STIs transmitted via direct genital contact and the risks are higher with vaginal or anal intercourse than with oral sex, there are plenty which can be transmitted orally. If you're a woman who sleeps with women and you sex toys together, which cannot be sterilized through boiling, you'll want to use condoms every time to cover these toys. While cisgender lesbians have far lower risk of STIs, BV back bacterial vaginosis in particular gets passed on a lot between women if you're sharing toys that's an easy way that can happen keeping the toys clean or covering them if they can't be clean to the point where all germs are killed keeps everyone safe and healthy not only do thinner condoms feel better because they cause less friction they're also less likely to break yippee remember that you don't have to stick to old style plain condoms the thinner condoms are those with textures are just as safe as the plain ones and many people enjoy the feeling of newer styles better Want to read about the different styles of condoms to find out what might be just right for you? Check it out. I already read that one for you. When it comes to condoms, don't scrimp. If you can't afford them at all, check out your local Planned Parenthood, other sexual health clinics, or even community centers or school nurses' offices. They often give them out for free. And if you find out where you go to use a condom you have that it's broken or was already or was already open or have some other flaw, don't gamble. You either get a new condom that is in perfect shape or if you only have that one, nick sex that requires condoms until you get working condoms. Hey, women, do yourself and your partners a favor by having your own stock of condoms. Don't be passive and rely on the guys to get them. Always have them around. Condom sales studies 
show that the majority of the time condoms are purchased by men. We often counsel folks here through pregnancy scares because two people found they both were relying on the other to be in charge of condoms and neither were unpre- and neither were prepared. If women and men alike take charge when it comes to having condoms around, it not only helps prevent finding yourself in a precarious situation, it also empowers both to be in the driver's seat when it comes to sex together, which makes not only for better sex and relationships, but for feeling better about sex and shared equitable responsibility. Okay. Let me see how much time I got. Do it, Antonio. Yes, sir. How to understand, identify, make choices about desire by Johanna Shorn. Shorn. Okay. What's desire? Sex can be great, fun, and healthy part of our... Sex can be a great, fun, and healthy part of our lives. I'm asking the question. What's desire? But in order for sex to lead to big feelings of pleasure and satisfaction, physically and emotionally, it almost always needs to start with another feeling, that of desire. Just like food only will tend to taste really good and eating will feel really great when we're hungry, the same is true about sex. Sexual activity of any kind feels best when it's something we really want, feel excited about, and get to follow those feelings of want with yippee, yay, zippity doo da. This means that it's important for us to learn how we can recognize feelings of desire and how we can respond to them in the way that feels best to us. It also means learning to recognize and respect when we're not feeling desire and, of course, respecting other people's feelings and boundaries. We can't dictate whether, when, and how we feel interested in a given sexual activity, but we can become experts at knowing ourselves and our own feelings. What's desire? When we say sexual desire, we mean an interest in and an excitement about engaging in sexual activities of some kind, either by ourselves or with another person or persons. There are many types of desire. Here at Scarl Team, we generally deal with the desires of an exotic or a sex. I'm sorry. We generally deal with desires of an erotic or sexual nature, which is what we're talking about here. But there are also many different ways that erotic desire can manifest itself and people can and do experience feelings of desire. In other words, feelings of sexual desire don't feel exactly the same for everyone or even for any one person throughout their lifetime. The type of sexual, des- the type of sexual desire that is most often talked about, sometimes to the point that it could look like it's the only kind, even though it's not, is desire directed at or about someone else. Feeling attracted to someone and wanting to be sexual with them. This is the feeling that's important when it comes to partnered sex. Ideally, mutual interest in being sexual is something that happens first before anyone is sexual together. However, that's only one possible way that desire can work. Plenty of people feel attraction and a desire to be close to someone sometimes, but have no interest or little interest in acting on that. Maybe they know that person is not a good fit for them, or maybe they know that they are just not in the right mind space for sex at that time. Desire is an important ingredient when it comes to sexual choices and actions, but it's only one ingredient in the hopefully yummy, tasty, delicious stew of good, great, excellent sex. If we know there are or may be other barriers to enjoying sex, like feeling really stressed, being sick that day, not having privacy or not having access to what we want and need to reduce the risk of STIs or pregnancy, for instance, we may choose to we may choose not to act on our feelings of desire, even if they feel really intense. Or we may feel interested in the idea of having sex, but just not be interested in or we may feel interested in the idea of having sex, but just not be interested in actually having sex. There's also a kind of desire that we can feel that is not for a specific person, but the idea of someone. A fantasy that cannot or does not need to be acted out. A fantasy sex partner, a fantasy sex act. There could be all sorts of things that we like to fantasize about without it having any basis in our reality or wanting to have it be something we act upon. 
Another type of sexual desire is the kind that does not focus on another person. It's more self-directed, the desire to be sexual and intimate with oneself, to discover, explore, and enjoy one's own body and sexuality all alone. That feeling often gets a really bad rap, like it's something that we only can or should experience in the absence of a romantic relationship or sex partner. People tend to feel that sexual desire should be directed at other people and that sex with someone else is the only type that counts. But that is not really fair, and it certainly isn't reflective on all we know about human sexuality and sexual lives people tend to enjoy. There's really no kind of sex that is better or more valid or acceptable. Masturbation is not just something that people do who have no partner or no other sexual outlet. It is something that people do when they feel the desire to experience their own body in a sexual way. People are in a relationship with someone may still not often do have the desire to masturbate and experience feelings of desire that aren't about that partner or other self-direct or other directed, but are just about themselves. Similarly, if you are with a partner and they masturbate, that does not mean that you did anything wrong or that you need to be more available or that you need to be more available. It just means that your partner felt the desire to masturbate and they have their own sexuality with or without you, as all people do. Well, you do have asexuality sexuals and both should be deeply revered in our society even though there are moments where asexuals have sex in patches or short births i know a person who that's this that's um what happens to them um not all asexuals are without sex and sexuality food for thought Partnered sexuality and solo sexuality are two equally valid parts of any given person's sexual life. They're not something we need to put in some kind of cage match. If we want them both and feel them both, we get to have them both. Okay. Um, Okay, where am I? Trying to stay focused. Who feels desire? A lot of people have very specific limited ideas about who can and does feel desire, who cannot or does not. How much desire people feel and what it's like for everyone in some universal way. Especially pervasive is the idea that only young adults and adults feel desire, and that desire is especially strong in men generally, and male teens specifically, but that is actually a pre- that is actually a pretty limited view, and one that doesn't square with reality. As with almost anything that involves human emotions and the wide range of human experience, things are a lot more complex and varied than that. To start with, the question as to who can feel desire is easily answered with this, everyone. It may look or feel different based on the person, the circumstances, the attitudes, and the situation, and it often does. But everyone has the capacity to feel desire, and there's no group of people that, as a rule, misses out on this. Something like age or sex has very little to do with whatever, and not someone feels desire. People of every age can and do experience feelings of desire, sexual and otherwise. However, just because we all have the capacity to have that feeling does not mean that absolutely everyone actually does feel desire. That those who feel it, feel it all the time. Or that anyone should feel it all the time or ever. There are no shoulds about this. It is okay to feel it and okay not to feel it. And it is okay to act on it and okay not to act on it. It's all up to you. And it's also typical for our feelings of sexual desire to wax and wane from day to day, year to year, and life phase to life phase. Those feelings will also often be situational. Most people most of the time won't feel sexual desire in just any situation for everyone or at every time of day. If desire is not linked to age or sex, what does influence what does influence desire? To some extent, this is just individual disposition. Some of us are inclined to feel more desire on the whole or to feel it more intensely, others less. But this, too, is not fixed for a lot of us. How interested we feel in sexual activity of any kind is going to fluctuate. We'll have times where we feel it, where we, 
we'll have times where we feel it more intensely, times when we're not interested at all, and everything in between. In terms of desire that involves other people, how often we feel desire can also be limited by how often we see or run into the kinds of people we are attracted to. Someone who's attracted to very few people in the world or the people not in their community is going to have a different experience than someone with a wide range of attractions. Dips in feelings of sexual desire and libido can be due to changes in life circumstances and stress, to changes in exercise or diet, general health, to medication for some illness such as antidepressants, and also if you're feeling a lack of desire within a romantic and or sexual relationship, it may be and often is connected to the dynamics in that relationship. But sometimes our feelings of desire change without any clear cause or root, just like our general moods can change sometimes even without big circumstances that influence them. What's hopefully clear from all of that is that there are no strict standards for whether and to what extent someone experiences feelings of sexual desire. And there's no libido police out to enforce those standards. Everyone gets to want as much or as little sex as they do. Everyone gets to be diverse when it comes to feelings of desire because everyone is diverse in this regard. However, that does not stop some people from acting like they're on the libido police. God damn. Whew. And making unfounded assumptions about other people's sexual lives. Shit. <laughs> For example, there are a lot of ideas floating around about how young guys are veritable desire matches and have little on their minds besides sex. That's fucked up to put people instead typical biased boxes like that. That's not fair or sound. While being a teenager or of any gender often does mean discovering one's sexuality and exploring relationships and often does involve strong sexual curiosity and feelings of desire, it is also an intense time in a lot of other ways and not everything revolves around sex. These expectations can also be really hurtful. For example, someone who does not identify as heterosexual may feel some distress at being confronted so often with the expectation that they should be exhibiting heterosexual heterosexual interest. Another way in which these expectations are harmful is the boys will be boys message often broadcast by the media, which excuses male sexually predatory behavior as completely normal, giving the impression that young men can't help their impulses and that's the par for the course, neither of which are true or okay. Thank you, Heather, for pointing that out. On the other side of the coin, there are groups of people who are not often culturally expected to have or prestended as having strong sex or as prestended as having strong desires such as women on the whole. Bullshit. I've met plenty of women who like to throw down their sex drives the sky high and they love talking about sex, especially graphically. So they can kill that noise. They need to cut the bullshit. Women are often seen as sexually passive. That Okay, that's bullshit. And only yielding to male desires in a relationship. That's bullshit. Or with the expectation that a relationship will develop from it. Bullshit. This is, as you probably know by now, also widely inaccurate. Thank you, Heather, once again. Women like men like people in general are very diverse. And the level of desire that any member of that group may experience is highly individual. Common sense, don't you think? Connected to that, connected to the idea that women are less interested in sex and sexuality is the idea that it is women's responsibility to police male sexual desire. Bullshit. That idea goes something like this. A man's sexual default setting is apparently, yes, please, 24-7, and he's interested in getting physical with any woman that he finds attractive. Bullshit. 
It is then the job of the woman to keep a cool head, which is, again, according to this framework, easy for her because her brain isn't being flooded by those sexy, sexy thoughts and decide whether or not the sex should happen. Bullshit. This is, as you may have already noticed, also a great foundation for one of our culture's favorite rape myth. That is a woman's job to not tempt a man since he can't stop once once he's started. Bullshit. But all of this, too, all of this is simply not true. You know why? Because that's bullshit. Neither men nor women are naturally predisposed to anything when it comes to this. How interested we are or are not in sex is about who we are as individuals. Where we are at in our lives and the pretty specific dynamic between us and the persons we are into. And if when there is a person we're into in this way. And just like it's never okay to demand sex from someone who has expressed that they are not interested, it is also never okay to expect that another person take responsibility for our desire. Fucking thank you for a third time, Heather. It is always up to us to not only respect another person's boundaries, but to make healthy and smart decisions about whether it is a good idea for us to be sexual in a given situation. Since everyone gets to have their very own level of desire and interest in sex, all of which are completely okay and valid, no one gets a pass on pressuring others into sexual activity they do not want or do not feel ready for. Okay, I'm about to wrap up, y'all. Okay, um... In a relationship that sometimes means negotiation or compromise for a long-term relationship that sometimes will commonly switch to often, it's very common for any two people or more to find that when they feel sexual desire and how strongly they feel it won't match up sometimes or happen at the same time, that means that if and when we want sex for others to be something based in mutual desire and pleasure, there are going to be times when one person feels they want for sex, the other doesn't, and that gets to be okay. The person who isn't feeling that thing doesn't have to do anything they don't want to, and that person who was, and that person who was feeling desire learns to be okay with just not getting what they want sometimes. Something emotionally healthy people, even people who are only a few years old, figure out how to deal with just fine in every area of life, including this one. No... One in a relationship is responsible for taking care of all of a partner's feelings of desire. Remember, you are a partner. Each have a sexuality that exists all by itself with or without the other and existed before you ever came along. Similarly, no one person is in a relationship is single-handedly responsible for directing how much sexual activity happens in a relationship. That is always something that should be negotiated jointly that partners should always be communicating about. What does desire... Um... What does desire feel like? We've been talking about this feeling a whole lot, but we haven't yet sussed out what exactly it can feel like. What can it feel like to experience desire? A really good way of thinking about desire is to liken it to hunger. Hunger is a feeling we're all familiar with. The feeling we get when we feel physical and emotional cravings for food and eating. Desire then to stay with that metaphor is the feeling we get when we crave things like sexual stimulation, physical contact, and slash for sexual pleasure. Skin hunger is actually a term used to describe a feeling of desire to be touched. Desire can feel a lot like anticipation, looking forward to something that you are really excited about and that you expect to be a good, pleasurable experience for you. You might have anticipated a trip, for instance, or seeing a cherished friend. A relative you don't see as often as you would like or may have been on the edge of your seat waiting for the next Harry Potter book. I am no longer cool with J.K. Rowling because of her views on transgender people. 
That's just me personally. Sexual desire can feel like that, just about sex of some kind or otherwise feeling an urge of excitement about something pertaining to your sexuality. When we desire something or someone, it tends to become something we think about a lot, sometimes even when we're trying really hard to focus on something else. A thought or feeling that sneaks up on us unexpectedly that takes a that takes up a lot of real estate in our head. Desire can and often does also manifest in physical sensations. We might have a tingly sensation on our skin, fluttery feelings in our stomach, a faster heartbeat, or a general sensation of excitement and giddiness. In short, desire is generally a positive feeling of anticipation and strong interest in some form of sexual interaction or exploration. If you're still having trouble getting any sense of what sexual desire might feel like, think about the last time you didn't get something you wanted badly and felt really disappointed about. Usually, if we don't have a real strong want for something, it'll be no big deal when we don't get it or it doesn't happen. On the other hand, when we're strongly feeling desire for something and it doesn't happen or we can't have it or we can't have have it, we're going to tend to feel strongly bummed even though we're st- we'll still live without it. Whatever example you can conjure up, figure that feeling sexual desire is feeling like you did when you wanted that, just about sex or sexuality. Of course, desire isn't always completely overwhelming. It doesn't always or even often leave someone feeling it breathless and weak in the knees. Sometimes, especially with someone or something new at the start of a sexual relationship or, or when our sexuality is some part of it is just emerging. Desire absolutely can be an overwhelming and very heady feeling, but it could also be more muted and quiet, like the weather. It changes over time and rarely stays this stays the same, even in a given season. How strong our desire is or what flavor it has does not necessarily say anything about how awesome or pleasurable the sexual activity will be. But if the desire isn't strong at all, or you're not sure you're feeling it in the first place, it's a good idea to proceed with caution to go slowly and check in with yourself to see if you really are into it. More times than not, desire that barely there, desire that's barely there equals sex that's pretty blah too. Just like eating you don't feel hungry can feel unsatisfying and uncomfortable. Okay, should I act on my desire? Now that you know how to recognize desire, let's talk about when and how to act on it. Whether you act on the sexual feelings that you experience anytime is is completely up to you. Though you can't really control when those feelings come up and who you feel them for, nor what opportunities you will or won't have to act on them, especially if and when they involve other people, you are in complete control over whether or not you want to act on them. Feeling really into someone, but they have proven to be someone, it's feeling really into someone, but they have proven to be someone it's not for you to be, it's not safe for you to be with, you get to decide not to be with them. Feeling really curious about someone, but but you've made a monogamy agreement with someone else, you get to acknowledge those feelings, but make a choice that acting on them would cause more hurt than awesome, or, or a great on a great date with the person you're really into and they have also expressed desire to be with you, you absolutely get to act on those feelings. Have a great fantasy that's got you really excited and wanting to take some time for yourself to masturbate and enjoy it. You get to act on that desire into action. You get to out that desire into action, sorry. Or you may make totally different choices in any of those situations, depending on who you are and what you want and feel best about. If you're looking for a little help when it comes to decision-making in high-stakes situations, which sexual situations often are, you might take a look at, we already read this though, risky business, learning to consider risk and make sound sexual choices. Your desires and feelings are not in control of you. I know that there are a lot of messages out there, some of which I brought up earlier, that can say that they are, but they're really not. They're just feelings, sometimes very strong ones, but you're still in control of them. And what you do or don't do with them is still always up to you. You're the driver, they're the car, not the other way around. That's great because that means you get to call the shots, but it's also a great responsibility because it means that sometimes you may have to say no to something you really want. But no is not in your or the other person's best interest. 
even those moments can feel good and empowering in their own way. The first no is K-N-O-W, okay? Knowing that you are respecting your own desires or a partner's boundaries can be a pretty great feeling. An important thing to know and realize is that even when you have desires, you know it is better not to act on those desires and not things you need to think of as bad or wrong. They are your feelings. You can't really control them and you get to feel however you do. The important part is being able to recognize and respect when a fantasy or feeling is not safe or okay for yourself. Others are both to be put into action. And of course, sometimes even when we have feelings that we could act on, feelings for someone who's available who also reciprocates those feelings who might feel better not acting on on those desires or not acting on them right away. Just because everything looks great on paper does not mean that you have to seize the opportunity. You're never obligated to do anything. And if and if you'd rather wait on something and not engage in it, that is fine too. The good shit, the good stuff usually keeps until we feel like the time for it is really right. Whether you're feeling desire for someone else or, or are craving some quality time with yourself, whether feelings for someone else are reciprocated or not, whether you can or want to act on them or not, desire is usually a pretty intense and exciting feeling, just like anticipation of something you are really excited about can sometimes be as good as the thing itself. So desire can often be a great feeling all in itself. And since no one can read your mind, your thoughts are yours to entertain and enjoy, regardless of what you choose to do about them. How you feel about desire, though, can and may vary just like how people feel desire can. When feelings of sexual desire are new, even though they're exciting, they can also feel nerve wracking or even a little scary. There are also lots of messages out and about that make desire seem like some kind of big monster that takes people over or is coming to get you. And those ideas and messages can make something that otherwise feels thrilling feel pretty iffy. If you're hearing a lot about how this kind of desire is good, but that kind is bad, or that this level of desire is sexy, but this other level or way of expressing it isn't, that's more that can feed anxiety about desire or big worries about it. Just know that feelings of desire, whatever it feels like for you, however much it happens or doesn't, however strong or mild it may feel, are really value neutral. They're not good or bad, right or wrong. They're just feelings. Feelings we will generally have in some respect just by virtue of being alive and engaged in living. Feelings of desire, also usually like sex, will tend to be fun when we can let them be whether they're feelings we act on or not. Okay, there are some people who find over time that they do not experience sexual desire who do that have an interest in acting on it alone or with a partner. Some of those people identify as asexual. Some asexuals want to and do enter romantic relationships. Others prefer platonic friendships. If you think you may be asexual and want to learn more, you can visit www.asexuality.org. As mentioned earlier, desire can be pretty dependent on outside influences, so stress in a relationship can put a damper on those feelings. Similarly, if you do not fully trust a partner, do not feel fully comfortable with a partner, or angry with them, basically if there are feelings of discord between you and your partner, it's pretty likely that your desire for them will be less intense than usual. So if you notice your libido being lower than usual and you're not sure why, you might also consider taking a look at your relationship. This article can help you with that. Does your relationship need a checkup? Okay, that concludes everything. But I want to say this in closing because all three of the articles, every experience they've mentioned, either I, I experienced them personally or I've seen others experienced them personally. Either way, both, all three of the articles I've read to you are 100% the truth. And I am in total agreement with each and every word and each and every um, 
concept that was raised in the articles by the, these Scarletine article writers in particular. Um, as I say in closing, my female partners have a history of calling me Mr. Magnum. 